Okay, I saw Charlie Wednesday. I hope I'm allowed to move this. Um, I saw Charlie Wednesday. He says, I got the best introduction you've ever had. He read my stinking website. <laughs> I've known him forever. Phil, don't get me started. Um, I'm feeling old today. Seth seems very sharp. Put myself back at that age, and I'm like, he gets to wear shorts when he comes to church. <laughs> I think I had to wear a stupid tie when I was that age. It's not even fair. Okay, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you do not, that is okay. I'm going to read a couple of verses at the beginning of Colossians. Colossians, a New Testament letter from Paul. Just let me go through a couple of verses, and then we'll jump off. Um, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also has told us of your love in the Spirit. Would you pray with me for just a minute? Dear God, uh, thank you for just being able to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together in this room. That's something we don't take lightly, especially after the last few years. I uh, thank you for Southbrook and their light, not just in the community, but across the world. Thank you for Charlie's leadership. Bless us now for the next few minutes. Help us just kind of block out everything else going on in the world and just concentrate on your word and to be guided by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name, amen. As I get older, I quit having birthdays, first of all. How old are you? None of your stinking business. Um, but what's funny to me is that you, the reference points that you use, you're talking to somebody, you say something, and they glaze over. So this week, just a couple. Uh, last train to Clarksville. Okay, who did that song? Monkeys! person I was talking about didn't know who the monkeys were. They're going to hell. How could... Be a student of history. Talk about throat punching. When you named Reverie, which I love, I tell Reverie stories, I love Reverie. First time I heard it, I said, isn't that George Jetson's dog? They said, who's George Jetson? What's wrong with you people? First of all, George Jetson was not just a cartoon. It was prophetic. Everything on that came to fruition except my flying car. I'm still looking for my flying car. Go back and watch it. Everything's there. The, the little Roomba thing that cleans your house. huh? A little microwave. They didn't call it a microwave. The little... Turn on the TV to talk to his boss, talk on the screen. It's amazing. That has nothing to do with my sermon. I just want to share that with you. <laughs> it was just a frustration that I feel. Now, here, here's my deal. Here's what I want to talk about as we get into Colossians for just a few minutes. I want to talk about the church because this whole thing coming out of COVID was a big deal. Isn't it cool to be in a room with people? I mean... We've got, literally, we've got clients all over the country, worked with a 1,000 churches in the last 20 years, and we're from 
Long Island, New York, to Pasadena, California, and everything in between. And you know, some were really good states, some were communist states, you never know. Uh, so some just really had some terrible times. Some are not coming back. We work with one group in Philadelphia in their particular denomination. They have identified 26 churches just in that district that never reopened after COVID. It killed them. They were probably already sick, but it killed them. So you can't take that stuff for granted. And so when we come together and hang out. I'm jazzed about that. But I think it is a great teaching opportunity to remind us of what church is. I think there's a lot of confusion on what it is when, when there was the lockdown stuff and we had to be very careful and you can't gather together. It was, you would hear phrases like, well, you can't, you know, go to church. Well, okay, just some, some fundamentals and, and Colossians will help us set the stage for that because it's first century. You got a, the apostle Paul talking to early churches. Go back in the New Testament and say, okay, what was church? Where was church? What church look like? Because you are in the process of doing something really cool with Players Box, transforming your facilities. Well, okay, that's really not that radical because first century didn't have church, didn't have buildings. When they had a lot of people like this get together, maybe they go to Solomon's Colonnade where they could have a bigger place, or maybe they'd be in a house. We got stories where sometimes the house is packed out so much, it gets hot, and, and the guy goes on and on and on. Guy falls out of the window asleep and dies, you know? That, that was church. I have a friend, Jeff. Jeff is lieutenant colonel in army. Not that you have to die in church. But it would be kind of interesting if I could bring you back. And you got to read the rest of that story. But my friend Jeff, he's a lieutenant, arm, or lieutenant colonel in the army. Um, been all over the world, 27-year career. Really cool dude, Christian dude. So everywhere he goes, he shares his faith. While he's in West Africa for two years, shares his faith, shares his faith, it bubbles and bubbles, bubbles, no buildings if you go visit there, but there are now 10,000 home churches. 10,000 home churches, 100,000 baptisms. That's church. You're going to transform your facility. It's not going to look like it is now, but it's a box. We use boxes like tools. We do stuff with that. It. It's still church. Church is not where we go. Now, I think it's been built that way, reinforced from the earliest stages. So, did you ever go to vacation Bible school? Raise your hands. Did you ever go to vacation Bible school? Did you ever go to church camp? Just saying that sounds weird. I love church camp, but it sounds weird. Church camp. I'm going to treat you church. So one of the things that we did was a hand exercise. Do you remember the hand exercise where you make the church? My fingers, my fingers are fat now, so it's harder. But here's the church. Here's the steeple. Remember? Did you do that, or were you not in the cult? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? Did you skip the cult day? Okay, so here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. See all the people. Remember? Very cool. Lasted with me, but it's not. That's not church. Okay, by definition, the actual church, first century, what it means is the called out assembly. Called out assembly. So when you, when we gather in here, we're church. Called out assembly. We're two or more gathered together. What Jesus promises, I'll be there too. That's church. So there's a a reinforcement without trying to that it's maybe just a sacred building it's just something special and mystical about a building and we have you know an edifice and it reaches to the sky and that's okay have pretty churches I love to drive in the little towns and see old old little churches but that doesn't necessarily mean the church was even there or that it survived very long because we're the church 
Is that rain? Wow. Wow. I've never seen people excited for rain like that before. <laughs> okay, Chuck Colson. Um, if you watch the HBO series uh, White House Plumbers, all about the Watergate stuff, Colson's one of those dudes that went to prison. Cool dude. Uh, Brown University grad, lawyer, sharp dude, comes out hit, in prison. It transformed him to the point where he starts Prison Fellowship, which is a huge international ministry in prisons right now. He wrote a book before he passed away called The Body. The Body was about the church, referring to the church as the body. And in this section, he says this, but this perception of the church as a building is only a symptom of a much broader problem, a genuine identity crisis. Not only do we see the church as bricks and mortar, we also misunderstand its character, its purpose, and its mission. That's what I want to unpack for just a few minutes. So in the section that we read, Paul is in prison. It's between 60 and 64 AD. He has been visited by Epaphras. Got to get that right because Ephesus is there too. So Epaphras, Epaphras comes and he says, hey, uh, I got some good news and bad news. And he's talking about a church that's in Colossae, which is not that far, but it's a good little ways away. Paul never went to Colossae. Paul did not plant the church in Colossae, but it's probably, he was within 100 miles in what's now modern West Turkey. And it probably at some point, some of the people that he had reached for Christ had moved and gone to Colossae or gone back home to Colossae. And the church blossoms and grows out of that. So Epaphras comes to visit him in prison, and he's bringing him news about the church, called out assembly. And he says, hey, in Colossae, hence the letter called Colossians, in Colossae, got good news, bad news. Good news, growing like crazy. Bad news, got some false teaching that's coming in. So it is that setting, that group, that Paul decides to write his letters. So when you look in the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John went to bed with their stockings on. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's how I learned it as a kid. See, it's kind of like the steeple thing, you know? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. The Gospels telling the story of Christ. They're kind of like four angles, four different camera angles in the same miniseries. And you get a little different stuff. But it's telling that story. Acts, you roll into it, it's the history of the church. The church unrolls. Acts really doesn't have an end because you and I are writing the 29th chapter of Acts right now. It's the continues. And then you have books like Colossians, and Colossians are these particular, or Ephesians, Corinthians. These are letters written to churches. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossians who will probably physically never see, but he wants to give them some some direction and some advice. And so at the beginning of the letter, he's kind of explaining who he is. I'm an apostle. Uh, I've been selected by God to do this. So it's kind of giving credibility. This is who I am. This is why I'm going to tell you this stuff. And then he unpacks what I think, and what I tell my son, my humble but accurate opinion. In my humble but accurate opinion, he unpacks what are distinctive traits of what the church is supposed to be. And so that's what I want to talk about. First, of the four distinctive traits that I kind of find in this, is a distinctive faith. First, he says, we always thank God that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray to you for because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. A distinctive faith. If you're not careful, you start thinking, well, faith itself is the power. I have faith. I mean, when you interview any athlete after they've done something significant, many of them will talk about faith, not necessarily Christian faith or faith in as a Christian or Christ, but it's just faith, maybe faith in themselves. I have faith. If you Google how many songs have faith in them, 
It's amazing. And they're not Christian necessarily songs. So if we're not careful, we think there's something magical, mystical. If I could just the power of belief, if I could just have faith. I'm old. Remember that. I like old movies. Uh, Burt Lancaster, cool old actor from years ago. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole and go find this movie called The Rainmaker. Really interesting. Really cool. I, probably a black and white it's old. But in The Rainmaker, it's set, and I think Catherine Hepburn's in it too, but it's set where it's uh, a farming rural community and they're in the middle of a drought, hence clapping for rain. Middle of a drought. And this guy, The Rainmaker, is kind of like a huckster that travels around and if the farmers pay him enough, he can bring rain. And it's all based on the faith. Fascinating journey. Once again, it has nothing to do with my sermon. This is really cool. I'm going to share it. So if you're not careful, yeah, I need faith, but what do I need faith in? The church that you and I are part of, we have a distinctive faith, and that faith is in Christ. It's not just in what we say, what we do, how we get together, the function. It is in the person of Jesus. So when your faith is placed where it is, is important. In our world, if we're not careful, it's, it's really easy to see where we place our faith based upon what we do. We place our faith in fame. I have faith that my life will be good if I could just be noticed. Instagram, I don't care what you had for lunch. You know? Amen. Bless your heart, I am so glad I missed that boat. And I don't think it's an age thing, but, but it's amazing how many you're trying to get noticed. I love that mayhem commercial, the guy's doing the stuff on the side of the road. He says, this is going to get tens of views, <laughs> tens of views, the same thing. So fame, if I can be noticed or wealth, if I can make enough money that gives me, that's where my faith is. That's where I know I'll have a good life. I know I'll have security because I'm noticed. I'm wealthy, or I've accumulated, third, a lot of stuff. I got things. I've got possessions. You're King Tut, and you gather everything around you because that's what gives you wealth, not just financial wealth, but I've got the most stuff, most toys. Here's the problem. If that's where our faith is, it lists things and position over people, relationships, families, brothers and sisters in Christ, and both are temporary at best. First John, what I call the little Johns, First John chapter 2 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Second, second, a distinctive lifestyle. Ah, here, this, this, is, this is great. This is not just preaching. This is meddling now. So how you, what you do, how distinctive is your lifestyle? Now, I don't know how you were raised, I, even if you were in the cult with me and did that stuff. Um, it's how strict, you know? We've gone through all this, these iterations of if you're a Christian, if you're part of the church, then you do or you don't do certain things. So, can't play with cards. When I was growing up, you could play with cards that didn't have face cards in the deck. Did you ever have that? Were you not in that part of the cult? Come on. Second, 
or may, shouldn't watch television, shouldn't go to, definitely shouldn't go to movies, definitely you can't dance, definitely you do not have alcohol. Uh, instruments and in worship, big point of, uh, of, of division. Oh, too much world coming in, so we can't have that. No radio, no cosmetics, no facial hair, or you can't shave, you must have facial hair. Can't make up our decision on that one. Women, you were not allowed to cut your hair. There were groups, even still today, and I can tell you who they are, that the women, in order to keep the hair from just growing, they catch it on fire occasionally and pat it out to get the appropriate length because they don't cut their hair. I can't make this crap up. I mean, this is good stuff. <laughs> not that I'm passing any judgment. I'm this. No zippers on your clothing. Women cannot wear slacks. My first ministry out of college was in Northeast Ohio, Knox County, Gambier, little town of Gambier. Kenyon College is up there. And little country church out in the middle of nowhere, been there for 120 years. Good people, great people. A lot of farmers, just really neat people. Earl and Norma were there. Earl and Norma were old when I was just starting out. So, I mean, they were good, good folks, but definitely come from a different era. And they're hardworking farm people. And, you know, it gets cold in northeast Ohio in the wintertime. So I remember seeing them one day when it was frigidly cold and they're out working and Norma's got a dress on because you don't wear slacks. But she has jeans under the dress. <laughs> Think about it. Somebody somewhere along the line says, hey, you can't wear slacks, but yeah, it is really cold. So if you stick them under your dress, it's okay. So is that what it is? Is that what makes me a Christian? If I have these things or not, I don't do any of those things. They're, they're on my list. At some point, if they've, each one of those things have been considered a sin. Verse 2 says, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. So is it being distinctive means I'm extreme? Is that what it is? All extremists should be shot. Is, it, is that what it means? Maintain a distinct, this is my opinion, maintain a distinct attitude first. Christians are to be known by distinctiveness. Distinctiveness in their attitude, I believe, honorable, teachable, selfless. Second Corinthians says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And in second, and this is harder, we are to have a distinctive character. Do you know there's a, there was a Gallup poll several years ago where they looked at people that professed to be Christians and people that said, no, I'm not a Christian. And they had a series of questions about things like always telling the truth, fudging on your taxes, just different things. And what they found was no distinguishable difference. No distinguishable difference. So the character piece is like, all right, what's the difference? How am I living my life is it if I puff my resume, if I cheat a little bit on my taxes, I call in sick when I'm not sick, and everybody does that, is that that's okay. Not, not a whole lot of difference. There's got to be a, a, a distinctive quality. So, so years ago, I had planted a church in Seattle, Washington, and we were living out in Seattle. And this lady came in to see me uh, for counseling. First of all, don't do that. That's a bad idea because uh, I'm horrible. Uh, I just I have no patience. I'm like, you know. And definitely don't want to see me twice because I'll say, did you do all the stuff we talked about last time? But nice lady, but she's, her life is a wreck. She has a kid that's like 14 years old. She's little girls hanging out with like 19-year-old boys, and it's getting ready to be a train wreck. And she's at wit's end, and she shares her, her stuff with me. Well, I started unpacking, 
and realize that she has children from multiple guys, no marriages in there, and the guy she's living with right now, she says, I don't love, it's just a good financial situation. I'm not passing judgment, just asking questions. And I said, well, here's what I'm trying to understand, or try to explain. Your 14-year-old with not a completely developed brain is trying to distinguish what you say, let's go to church, let's hang out, let's talk about church stuff, and how you live your life. And she can't see how you're able to compartmentalize. She can't see that. So fast forward, several weeks later, I'm out eating, and it's one of these outdoor things, you know, little courtyardly things where you're sort of outside, so you're like eating with people that's walking by. And so I'm eating. She walks by, sees me, recognizes me, comes over, and just starts talking to me. I look at her. I haven't seen her in several weeks. I only met her the one time. I have no stinking idea who she is. And the whole time she's talking, I'm trying names on her, you know, trying to think, is that it? Don't know. Couldn't remember. And finally, it kind of triggers who she is. She sits down, didn't ask her to, but she sits down at my table. And she tells me that since she talked to me that last time, went worse and worse with her daughter till she finally ran away from home. She's been gone for like three or four days. She hasn't slept. She's just been going anywhere in a public setting like where I am right now, hoping she may run into her daughter. It has nothing to do about everybody being good or people that don't make mistakes. We all do. But if there is a distinctive character that it guides the decision process. Here, Ephesians chapter 4. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Isn't that an amazing verse? As it works from the inside to change who you are. Third, we are to have a distinctive love, an inclusive distinctive love. Verse 4, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. So just real quickly, remember, I'm not talking about just individually. We are the church. So I'm talking about church. This is how we are to be known. Number one, we as church are to be useful. We are not the, the people that sit on the sidelines and wonder why everything's going wrong in the world. We are to be useful. Two, we are to volunteer. We lead the pack. When something needs to be done, we should be the first ones there. Three, we strive for humility. That should be our personality, both collectively as a group and individually, is try to strive for humility. And then four, this is my favorite, we are to be observant. What's that mean? My dad, I love my dad. He died way too young. Um, he taught me a lot of things I, I would love to write. And I think there was a sitcom for a long time, stuff my dad says only wasn't stuff. Um, my dad taught me a lot of little phrases that now, since he's been gone for a long time, I remember those phrases. And one is, don't step over stuff. So as we're growing up, as kids, when there's something you notice, if it's you a know, piece of a trash that didn't make it to the can that's on the ground, or it's the, the yard needs mowed and it's been several days, whatever it is, he says, don't step over it. You notice it, do it. Doesn't have to be your day, doesn't have to be your job. You notice it, you do it. Be observant. Al and what was Al's wife's name? Buffalo, New York. Al and Vivian. Al and Vivian Robinson. Last winter, last winter, remember all the craziness going on? They're in Buffalo, New York, very, very cold place. 
They go through a power outage where they live, and they had just started a church, and it was an urban setting in this, like, apartments. And they just launched this little urban church, and there was a power outage. And everybody was out power. It's Buffalo. It's freezing. It's going to be a long time before they can get the power back on for that particular area. And they realize their little spot is the only place that has power. They have power, which means they have heat. They, because it's right before the holiday, they had just bought a ton of groceries because all their extended family was coming, so they had food. So they started going apartment by apartment, building by building, to people they did not know, invite them to their warm little spot, and we'll just eat as long as the food lasts. 154 people spent three days with them. Uh, isn't that cool? 154 people spent three days with them. That's church. Grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My dad was a pastor. He liked people. He was good to people. And, and there was always somebody having a tough time that dad helped. One day, a um, guy shows up at the door. His name's Alfonso. Alfonso, rough-looking dude. Uh, he's in his mid to late 30s. He is hungry. He is dirty. He quickly shares his story with dad. He says, hey, I spent most of my adult life in prison. Haven't been out very long. I do not want to go back. I do not want to steal, but I am hungry. And so I've decided I'm just, just asking. And that started a relationship with my dad, friendship for years. Uh, dad gave him odd jobs, and helped him, bailed him out of jail, all kinds of stuff. Al was a funny guy. He'd spent most of his adult life in prison. You don't get a lot of life skills. One day I remember coming by and the lawnmower was running in the yard, but there was no person. This is before you remember, now you got safety crap. You can't leave your lawnmower running. But as a sitting there, I'm looking around. Well, Alfonso, who's supposed to be mowing the grass, got thirsty, walked to the corner store to get something to drink, but he's left the mower running back in the yard. Funny guy. When my dad passed away, I don't know if there was anybody that was crying harder at the funeral than Alfonso. Being observant means when you see something, you do what you can do. It's not your job to point. We are a world of pointers. We list all the litany of things that are wrong, and then we point like somebody should do something. Well, I agree. Maybe I should be one of those people to do something. Maybe something. And then the last piece, and I'll quit. A distinctive hope. Can't live without hope. You can live without all kinds of stuff. Can't live without hope. Peanuts cartoon, I know, another thing that ages me. Peanuts cartoon. Now you can't even be a Peanuts fan. we got to cancel Peanuts. Violet sees Charlie Brown and Linus. If you don't know who Violet is, Google it. Violet sees Charlie Brown and Linus, and she says, hey, why do you two look so worried? Linus says, we're afraid of the future. Violet says, well, exactly. What are you afraid of? Tomorrow? Friday? Next week? Anything in particular? Linus says, no. We're worried about everything. Yes, our worrying is very broad-minded. <laughs> Hope is what we as the church have. That should be the contagious piece for the world because they are in need. You can, you can survive lots of tragedies. I can tell you sad stories and tragedies, but without hope, it's very, very difficult. I was watching one of those uh, reruns on Dateline, you know, the Dateline stuff. It's like tells you about murders and stuff. And Keith Morrison, you know who Keith Morrison is? He's the dude who's been on there forever. He talks like this. 
and he never really moves, but he's got this great voice. He's talking to this couple, they're mid-40s, and their, their story and their tragedy, an interesting piece, is that um, she got a pecan pie as a gift at work one day, and she thought, my father-in-law really likes pecan pie. And so she, after work, she and her husband drove over, it's his dad's, it's his dad, drove over to their house and knocked on the door to give him a pecan pie, surprise. A man answers the door that is not the father or father-in-law, that is somebody they do not know, and stunned, he welcomes them into the house, and they kind of stumble in, and they realize it's a home invasion. Guns, zip ties, the whole stuff. So they zip tie him in the living room. Short story, they go upstairs, murder the old man. They'd heard that he had a gun collection, and so murdered him and come down, and when they came down, the man and the woman are zip-tied on the floor, and they're praying. Now, this made Keith very uncomfortable telling the story, because I don't know where Keith is in his faith, Keith Morrison. But they're praying out loud, because they know, and these people are not wearing masks. They know we're going to get murdered. One of their two assailants, one of them says, tells them to quit praying, but the other guy says, no, 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 it's okay, I like it. And so they bow their heads while they continue to pray. This is where Keith says, do you think that had an impact? <laughs> and how much do you get paid? Anyway. And, she, and on the show, she tells a little many thing about her faith in Christ. And she says, it wasn't so much that I had faith I was going to be saved, but I had faith that God was watching me. They were not murdered but they were arrested for killing the old man. Because the police were trying to figure out who has a motive, you guys are there, it's got this crazy story about assailants that zip tie you and you pray and they decide to leave you there and not kill you. Seven months later, after they'd been on trial, but thankfully before they were convicted, two people were arrested that confessed to the crime and they were released. What I tell the story about is not that we're all going to have the happy ending. And it was not necessarily without harm during those seven months. Their family turned their back. They started to believe they probably killed him. But what got them through that night and the next seven months was the hope piece. We have to have hope. It's what we share with the world. Here's the last thing I'll share, and then I'll quit. And it's a famous verse, Romans chapter 8. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. That's hope. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you, first of all, we don't go through our life just wondering that we actually have your word we can read, study for ourselves. I praise you. That's a miracle in itself. I thank you that you're, you promised us that, that if we will take that into our lives and we'll read and study the word, that you promise it will not come back empty, that it'll take root, it'll make a difference in how we live our lives. Mostly, I thank you for your grace and mercy because every one of us in this room sin and fall short. Every one of us missed the mark. We're not perfect. 
we're just forgiven. Help us be the church. Help us have the impact on the future, not because of the building or how many times we're able to come be in the building, but what we do as the church using the tools you've blessed us with. It's in Jesus' name, amen.